episode 47, guys. Racing Line podcast. Special guest. Not even a guest anymore. He's probably an extension of the Racing Line pod. We can call him an extension of the podcast now. Tristan Ellery back with us. Yeah. Um, thanks, We don't boys. need Michael anymore. <laughs> no, that's it. Nah, back, thanks for mate. having me back, boys. I feel like I'm starting to become part of the furniture, which is really cool. Yeah, Let's it's awesome. go. It's good to have a bit more opinion. Um, and today's, like we just said, it's going to be a little bit of a, a looser podcast, not a whole lot of racing to talk about. It felt a bit weird on Sunday night mm. to just like yeah. go about your nothing. business with nothing to like look forward to. Um, no well, idea what to do. Pretty bored. I think I just went to bed. Do you um do you watch football, <laughs> Tristan? Yeah, I watched like AFL and rugby, but I mean, I went to a game on Saturday and I, that's about it's all the, the AFL I could. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know where you're going with this and don't oh, start. Okay, here we go. He was going to say football with soccer, right? Yeah, yeah. I just yeah, want to say nah. like you can watch the replay on the sport of, nah. of Brentford's demolition of Manchester United <laughs> on Saturday night. That was... Oh, I don't I don't watch that football, sorry. <laughs> Mate, you might want to... It's like IndyCar. You probably you yeah, just I, need to get I, into I it. Yeah, I still need to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's jump straight into it then, boys. Loose podcast, a few different talking points, some questions from all over the place. One from our burner account, uh, from Harry's personal burner account. So let's jump straight into it. Joey. We have fans, Harry. boys. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's on the podcast with us. Yeah, I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> let's jump straight into it, Harry. Uh, yep. So our first question was posted on our Discord server, which was our favourite racing car slash bike in history and currently. So that was from Bull Turtle. Oh, man, I I know this answer. I I did like a Facebook post like probably five years ago when someone asked me this question and it was like, what's your favourite race car? And I put up five of them. So in no particular order, it was the Jeff Gordon NASCAR, 24. The DuPont one? Yeah, the DuPont one. Yeah. I think it was probably Fernando Alonso's Ferrari, I think 2012, because that, like, the car, the sound, the livery, obviously Fernando Alonso. Um, I had probably a bit biased, but one of my dad's supercars, super cheap auto 2003 car was just, like, on point. Is that the purple, yellow and red one? Yeah, yeah, the purple one. that did a replica? Yeah, they did it. Yeah, he did a replica, I think. Yeah, that is a a hot car. 16 or something, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but... Um, and then there was uh, the Nissan GTR, which was the uh, Nismo Academy one that went around a few years ago, like the black and red with the grey trim on it. GT3? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Those are probably my four favourites. We need to get some photos on the socials of that. Yeah, I can probably dig them up, but... Yeah. Harry? My favourite, so I went... I picked the two. My favourite livery car of all time is the McLaren MP44, the Senna mm. Prost. Mm. That's probably my favourite. Mm. Um, second is probably me. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Um, so my second favourite is probably the Renault from uh, Fernando Alonso, 2005, yeah. 2006. There's just that something about that car. Sick. That one was pretty sick. Yeah. Can't beat it. So they're my two. Joey. So my favorite livery of all time is the 19, I think, what did I write? 1997 Jordan. Um, I, have to be specific, I have to be specific though because the different years have different animals and the different animals are important to which one I like the most. So mm. it was the 1997 Jordan, which is yeah. the yellow and black Benson Hedges, hedges with the um, Viper snake yeah. front, not the, um, not the Hornet front, which I also like, but just not as much. Mm. Um, I mean, that is a tidy car. Wild car. Which one is it? I want to look it up. 1997. Uh, you can't see it from my camera. Benson 1997 uh, Jordan F1. Um, I mean, that's a that's a tidy oh, car. Yeah. The, the, the yellow and black one. Yeah, the colors are phenomenal. And then just that little, the little um, Viper on the front. I just think makes it distinct mm. and also gives it a bit of personality. Mm. Um, Did Ralph Schumacher drive that one? Yeah, he drove the Hornet one. I don't know if he drove yeah, that one. I think true. that was, was Frenson. Sorry, was ninety seven or ninety eight the year that that Frenson was in with a shout for the championship? I think he was ninety nine. I think he was ninety nine. He was a bit okay. later. I maybe even two thousand. It was a that's bit a sexy later. car, Joe. That's a pretty yeah. cool car. That's a good pick. I mean, I, I'm I'm good with all deliveries, so like I think I would choose a good one. And then I also had the two thousand and six HRT, and the reason. Okay. 
the That's reason I had the car. 2006 HRT is because HRT is like the only racing team that really you told the car not through its sponsorship but by its actual the actual design on the car with the mm. men and, and and the line you know on there together um like no car really in any other sport has had like its own branding that was pretty much this like the the main sponsor on the car mm. was that scape um, zero or was that yeah after oh. yeah it's, it's it was definitely last year i think 2006 you might know, i think he had one more with the black with the black um Line on the side, which is 2007, uh, if I remember correctly. But yeah, I love that car. And then I also had a bike, which was the Kevin um, Schwantz uh, Lucky Strike Suzuki. And I, I don't remember that being on the track because I was only like three when that was out. But I think mm. that's just a, a sexy bike. So you've got you've, you've hit on all three of those liveries. I, yeah. I, I know oh. I have. I'm, I'm a I'm a They're bangers. I'm a lord of the liveries. Do you know what else? But I reckon you could even throw in the bloody 2006 HDT livery, that which is yeah, like in the background behind it. No, it's, it's obviously not. not but it was, that was still a sexy. The orange and black was still pretty good looking. H- too. 2006 HDT. HSVD driver team. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was Tander and Kelly. Mm. Kelly could have been the year with Kelly one. Um, well, you I had, that, actually. I went with my classic favorite car of all time. It has to be the um, Mazda 787B, that one Le Mans, the rotary oh, entry. Oh, yeah, that thing that, was sick. That Johnny Herbert went in half because mm. it looks amazing, also because it sounds like an absolute mm. weapon. Sounds like a banshee. Um, yeah, um, and it was so good that they had to um, ban rotaries from Le Mans. So that was my. Can I, can I say something quickly before you keep going? They banned yeah. them before they won, so they knew they were banning them. Yeah, that's but a, they banned them the year a, that they won. Yeah, but they only won because they put in a lot of effort into winning it with a rotary before they banned it. You can't confuse the two things. They didn't Semantics. win, and then they banned it. They were banning Semantics. it, so then they thought we need to win. Look, as someone who's owned a rotary, I'm surprised the thing lasted to 24 hours. <laughs> Dude, that's that's the um. That's the biggest sort of conundrum of it all. The apex seal survived. Those things shouldn't last 24 hours. No way. Yeah, but, but yeah, no, beautiful car. Yeah. Um, so that was my historic car. And then I don't know if any of you have seen this, but the Manti Racing yellow and green um, Grello Porsche that races at the Nürburgring 24. It's like a day glow, fluoro yellow, fluoro uh, green mixed together. Um, we'll chuck some photos up on it mm-hmm. on the socials as well. But going around the green hell, it looks like an absolute mm. um, thunderbolt. So that's my my current favourite car of all time. Um, between all of those cars, though, I have to say we've got a good mix of current and classic liveries to put up on the socials, boys. So that yeah, might I be. Agree. I agree. I reckon they're all like. There's a couple that I didn't even think of, but yeah. Um... You could probably do a whole podcast about Liverpool. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I'm I'm gonna stay true to my uh, Jeff Gordon, the iconic 2014 yeah. one. But um, I think that's oh the other one was I I didn't mention it before. It just came to me now. Um, the classic yellow and blue Subaru WRX. Yeah, um, yes, that's very. I think it was true. Colin McRae. Yeah, Colin McRae. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. so true. Um, that one Pretty much like. What a the cool. best! One Reason of the best. Why I wanted You're a thinking the box, life. mate. Exactly, exactly. So that's my picks for anyone Gosh. out there that loved those cars through that you know era. What I was, you know, I was actually going to ch- um, choose, but I think because it was a one-off, <clears throat> it wasn't really like it's a bit too niche. Your mm. dad's um, super cheap car. That yeah, that, that so you were like that. You, you you bounced out when we spoke. Yeah, about it. I said oh. I might be a little bit biased, <laughs> but that's in my top five. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. bounced out, Joe. Sorry, guys. Um, of the hey, current cars around, just quickly. Yeah, current what, cars around, yeah. I'd, I'd probably go the Ferrari, and the only reason why is because the Mansell Ferrari back in the early 90s was one of my favourites as well, and they're very similar. Um, The colour, just the tinge, it's all red. That like Grillo car I that it. I spoke about is a current car. I feel like F1 teams, their liveries at the moment are very forgettable Black. probably yeah. because we're, we're, we're in the moment and we have, we're not looking back the red there's, no, there's no nostalgia to them yet 
Yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking at it, like we mentioned some pretty iconic liveries before. Um, if you're looking back on a course of history, you know, the Mercedes isn't going to be on there. Because it's always silver top five. or black. Nah, it's, it's not going to be on there. So it's like no. the designs at the moment are just so boring and bland. Like there's no excitement to them. Yeah, I agree. Probably because um, they're so commercialized. If you look at the, yeah, um, if you look at the, like even the McLaren, have a good look at Harry's background and you'll see like, yeah, can, interesting. Exactly. can I say that McLaren has not grown on me this year? No, it hasn't for me. Especially either. because the, the sponsorship always changes on the side of it. Mm. I, I'm just I just look at it every week and I'm like, mm. you know what Next I year. can't get over the Next um year. the Google rims because it mm. looks like a lolly. It looks like <laughs> a, like it looks like a bloody lollipop color. I liked um, it when it first got released, and then I don't know. It's actually gone the opposite. It's forgettable. Yeah. It's yeah. because yeah, it was terrible. good for a week, and then it was yeah. like, all right, you've made your point. But all the, also, all those cars we just mentioned are pretty synonymous with success. So, like, yeah, the HRT <laughs> very successful. You know, the the Subaru at the time very successful. Jeff Gordon at that time, sort of king of the sport. Mm. Um, I think we'll I mean, look back on the Red Bull livery though. Yeah, I was going to say the Red time. Bull. Oh, I was going to say actually the supercar Red Bull livery. I actually think that's mm. really clean, but that hasn't changed for like eight years though. So yeah, it actually has. If you think of it, it just changes very slowly over <laughs> every year. <laughs> they add a red line in. Yeah, the- <laughs> red line. Get a bit more. You can't white. talk about you can't red talk line, about bloody white. Red Bull and the supercars if you're going to bring up DJR because that livery has not True. changed. For True. Actually, yeah. Good years. point. It's iconic um, though. It is iconic. Yeah. My brother yeah. goes actually, to Dick you know Johnson what? Racing, and every year I go. Yo, Tom, do you want to do a bet that the livery won't change this year? I'll give you 50 <laughs> bucks. And he never falls for it because he knows uh, that it's not going to change. Do you know what could have been in this iconic livery chat? The old John Bow slash... Um, the Aussie male? Dick Johnson. The Aussie male one? No, no. Oh. The, old, the old Dick Johnson racing car. Oh, the, the yellow Helix ones. Yeah, the, the show yeah. Helix back when it was yellow, blue and red. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's very true. Hey, that's I finally found the, found the post of all my uh, cars. All there? Yeah, I've legit just been like scrolling, holding my hand down on the key <laughs> since we started talking. <laughs> um, Harry, yes, so we've got a bit of we've got a bit of um, content to post up this week. Then on the um, on the livery front, mm-hmm. what was our other? So I think question? this one this one was a bit more straightforward. Um, it's what track that's currently not on the Formula One calendar do we want to see mostly? Who posted back? this question? Sorry. Oh, uh, someone on Instagram. I didn't save the screenshot. I just remembered okay. the yeah. Shout out to you. Thank you yeah. for your question. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'll I'll start off. I like Sepang. I wish that could yeah. Sepang is a Sepang is actually a great track. Hmm. It is sad that it's not there anymore because it is a a really good track, I suppose. Um, I did the Adelaide Street Circuit, and the reason I said hmm. this was because I think. Into, as a track, it'd probably be more interesting to watch F1 on that track than on the Melbourne Parkland circuit as, as at the moment, just because I feel like the 90-degree corners would be really conducive to some good passing and overtakes. I mean, it's never going to really happen, but um, if, if, if I could dream, I'd say probably that track in terms of Australian tracks being swapped out. Some iconic moments on that track too. You think the, the Damon Hill and Schumacher incident... Yeah, even the the um, my dad used to have this poster in our games room of the Mel- of of the Adelaide downpour, um, and what what year was that? Ninety three, ninety three, uh, and like the conditions, like when you, even in the pictures, looks it looks so bad for like a concrete jungle, like the the driving the drivers back then were were real gladiators having to wrestle those things through the through the through the um streets. Well, it's everything that we talk about. Whenever we talk about good tracks conducive to fun right to like good racing it's like unmanicured it's bouncy it's rough there's carnage on a lot of the at the end of a lot of the corners as well so like jetta yeah <laughs> it's not <laughs> um so it would be an awesome yeah I, I like that pic joe i'm on fire today yeah you're really doing a good job yeah he's done his research so um this used to be a track in formula on the formula one circuit about in the 90s um, Okayama, back then it used to be called Aida, um, and they still race um, super formula around the track. But if you were to look at the track layout, you've got a lot of straights, you've got a fit, you've got a few chicanes, but you're moving, you know, from really fast sections of the track into some really slow sections as well. 
um, which I think would be really good for, you know, overtaking manoeuvres. Um, and it's also built around like a, a very scenic uh, mountain range. So for me, it's got to be Okiyama. And if you- I have a question for you about this though. Yeah. Would yeah. you prefer this track over Suzuka? Okiyama? Yeah. Because I feel like if you wouldn't prefer it over, over Suzuka, it's just a bit of an, an, a knowledge flex that you know is such an obscure track. <laughs> like, that's what I thought when I read that. Well, I was like, is let's it be better honest, than if we can have If we can have three American tracks, we can have two Japanese tracks. <laughs> no, but we shouldn't have they're two not Japanese that, tracks. Though. No, they're not. They're not doing two Japanese tracks. But You didn't answer my question. Is it better than Suzuka? Because uh, you're really the Suzuka simp as it is. I don't know. And that's not. Suzuki um, is a better track. Suzuki is an amazing track. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I've never liked Suzuki. Even when I played it on like 20, oh, you know, F1, whatever it is, it's like I've always struggled. It's always been my worst track. And maybe that's why I don't like it. But... I hate the last single. <laughs> that's what I hate. It's just Sector so fast. Kills I, I can never figure it out. You know, you have to think too much. Uh... It's, a, it's a racist track. Yeah, I know. It, that's me screwed then. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony only likes the, the difficult tracks because he feels yeah. like he feels like he has the talent that will elevate himself above everyone else if he was there. Yeah. Um, so his like favorite tracks are like Monaco. Yeah, Suzuka, yeah that's me. That's me. Baku, Monaco, Singapore, rubbish like that. Perfect. So but anything that's your... fast like Suzuka, nah. These are unfounded <laughs> claims that you're making, Joe. Have you had a look at the layout <laughs> of what? Of Okayama? No, but I said, is it better than Suzuka? You're the expert. You, you can I, haven't seen a, I haven't seen a track in years, so I should probably look it up. It doesn't have to be better, Joe. It just okay has to be. Yama. Yeah. I like Fuji Okayama. more than Suzuka if you wanted to add a track onto nah, there. Nah, Fuji's from not Japan. as good as Suzuka. Fuji would be pretty sick. There's but... a beautiful mountain there that has snow on the top. How, and it's like one of the most scenic yeah, places. Scenery is amazing. Japan. I'll give you Come that. Scenery is amazing. But... That is a pretty cool track, that Okayama yeah. track. The, the layout's awesome. I reckon if you had an F1 cars going around there, there's um, there's some, some good racing that can happen there. It's a bit like um, um Hungary with that, that back section over there. Hmm. It goes... A bit of a cart track, like a cart vibe to I it. I kind of like that. I was going to say my pick would have been... Um, there was actually two. There was one... I think it was New Delhi. They had a pretty yes. cool racetrack. Yeah. Yep. They had like a really cool racetrack. I remember playing it on like a F1 2012 or something. And yep. it was just like the coolest track. There was another one as well. I think it was South Turkey. Korea. Oh, mm. South Korea. I didn't really like that. I don't I remember like... it too well, but I just remember I always loved that track. And I was like, yeah. I think it's... one day went off the, the, the map and yeah. calendar. I'm not going to lie. I always enjoyed racing the, I think it's called the Bud. The Might Bud. be the Bud. I think it could be the Bud Circuit or something like that. But oh, um, in New Delhi, yeah, yeah, I really yeah. liked that that Indian track. To be honest with you, it was yeah. like the the India one and and Turkey were two obscure tracks that yeah. I really enjoyed racing at. But yeah, and I had I that really it. cool last corner coming onto the the front straight, and it was mm. like a short pit lane as well. Yeah, yeah, mm. I'm a fan. I like this that time, point. this time next year, we'll probably be putting Spa on the list. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's imagine true. that. You know what, F, that is a better track than Suzuka. What is? That yeah, Okayama. I, I actually agree. Can you but, take it back? But Honda, Honda owns Suzuka, don't they? So it's never going to happen. Yeah, Honda's. They yeah, probably Suzuka's do, Honda's. yeah. Joe, can you take it back? What? Your negativity. So what do they race there? Do they race GT there, do they? They race, they race um, um, Super Bomb, Formula. Uh, Asian they race, GT. Yeah, Asian oh, yeah, GT. Asian GT. I Super see that there. BT as well. That's Pretty, a they really race cool track. Japanese superbikes, they race a lot of things there. It's just nothing that's um, mainstream. But they used to race F1 there, so it's obviously got to have mm. some level of um, like racing pedigree to, for it to be racing there. Um, looking at all the liveries that we were looking at during the research of this, mm -hmm. one thing I noticed, even up to when I looked at you know, mid-2000s, 2010s, the cars were so much smaller, and they just looked... Mm. So much quicker in, a, in F1, yeah, like yeah. everything really, yeah, even in supercars, the touring cars, it's like they look, yeah, that's tiny true, yeah. compared mm. to what they are now, they're like double the size almost. It's... Do you know what's crazy? A current Formula One car is bigger dimensions wise than a Le Mans prototype. And if you were to look at them on TV, yeah, you, you would think that like the Le Mans time. prototype would be significantly Wider. larger, mm. but an F1 mm. car is bigger. Than an endurance prototype, which is crazy. They're a big car, though. They are that blows my mind these days. 
well, they wonder why it's hard for like, overtaking to take yeah. place and why there's so much aero um, effect because they're bloody they're Massive. driving stale, mm. you know, at, at hundreds of kilometers an hour. Yeah. Um, another good talking point, boys. Well done. I think we came to a bit of a consensus in in two of those points. So that's good. Good vibes. Um, Thanks, Mr. Baja. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome, mate. Um, Joseph. Yo. Talking points from the week of racing. I had one about um, Remy Gardner, which I yeah. found interesting, humorous, and somewhat puzzling. Um, so, <laughs> like, it, it's, it's a mix of everything. Because at first I thought, oh, makes sense. And then I thought about it. I go, no, it doesn't. So, they were talking to the head of KTM about the seat selection for next year because two of the seats have been pretty much confirmed, which is Jack Miller and Brad Binder at um, uh, Red Bull KTM. And then they were saying the two Tech 3 seats haven't been confirmed yet. We've got one that we're sort of sure of and one that we're not sure of. And, Who's and the sort of sure? I think they were, they were hinting that that was Polis Bagara going back. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right? No, Fernandez is... Uh, so... Rail Fernandez isn't there next year. He's not at KTM next year. He's going to Aprilia. So that's pretty much known. And then they were saying, we want to bring in our talent from like like from our feeder teams from Moto2. And that was implying that um, Augusto Fernandez was coming up because he's leading the championship, right? And I th- at first I thought, yeah, he's leading Moto2. If he wins Moto2, then that would make sense. And then I thought, but Augustin Fernandez is is literally the exact thing that Remy Gardner was the year before last. last. Year. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like he's come up through Moto Moto three with with um, KTM. It has an allegiance to him. He's literally ridden for Pons and then mm. for one like one or two seasons. And then he rode for Mark VDS for one or two seasons, and then he's only gone to KTM now to win the season, pretty much. Um, and then I thought, oh, I wonder how old he is compared to Remy Gardner, and he's exactly the same age. So implying that. The only reason that Remy would be losing his seat was because they were trying to promote some kind of like loyalty to their feeder system. It just made no sense to me, considering that if you look at the the probably the only rider who's really come up through their feeder system, like at the moment, is Raul, who's not even going to be there, and Oliveira, who's not really going, he's not going to be there next year. I just thought it was a a real weird sort of comment to make if the driver that they're looking to promote hasn't really been in the system anyway. It's like only right. been there for half a year. So what do you think about that? Well, two things. Um, first question, do mm. you think that based on how he's performed this season, that Remy Gardner has done enough to make it an easy decision for them to keep him? No, but I think he's done enough to keep him there, himself there for another year. It's not. Mm, it's agree. not like the other two KTM bikes of are like winning races and you know challenging in the top five without people crashing or, or you know like they're, they're they're finishing consistently but consistently at the back of the leading pack. It's not like the bikes amazing. This is the thing that I think with with KTM right now. They obviously up to this point, with the exception of Holder Spargo, everyone they've brought into their team has been through their developmental system and it's kind of the riders have grown as the team's grown and I think what KTM are at a point now is obviously the bike is still has taken a step back that, that kind of needs to be regained but I think they're kind of at a point where they see that Yamaha isn't as much of a world beater as as they might have been in the past they're seeing Aprilia and the, the jump that they've made with an experienced rider like um, Aleish Obviously, Aprilia has got Maverick as well, who's an experienced rider. And I think from their point of view, if you look at them taking, uh, bringing Jack Miller in, if you look at them, um, obviously Brad Binder was a, was a junior, but he's you know a well-established rider, race winner now, who's ready to take the next step, I think. I think they're probably at a point where they want a little bit more of a rider that can come in straight away and be competitive, as opposed to giving someone one, two, three years to, to grow and develop. Because... When I look at um, Remy Gardner, and it's through no fault of his own because he's still learning his craft, it's a, it, I th- it looks like a very similar story to that of Lekawona. The bigger thing that I think um, works for Gardner, though, is if Yamaha was smart, all of this young talent that you know people are throwing away, 
they should be lapping up because they have got literally no kind of future direction with younger riders. Um, so there's a lot of young they've riders. They've got no seats. Yamaha. They've got no seats. They've got two seats. They're not having what a satellite about? team next year. Aren't they? No. But at, at the start oh, of the season... That throws mine out, that, my idea out of the bloody water, doesn't it? I, yeah. At the start of the season, I asked you, both of you, what does Remy need to do? Yeah. And I remember I said... Beat his teammate and stay on the bike. Yeah. yeah. And he's literally done that. And then and then you look at it and I was like, oh, I want, like I know that um, Fernandez had a few good results at the end of last year. But then I, I looked back at his results. He got no wins last year. He finished behind all the riders who came up into MotoGP this year. So that's um, Gardner, Fernandez, uh, G. Antonio, Bezeki. So all like these guys who... Yeah, he's the best all by the he was, he's, he's winning now because all, the, all those guys have moved up. And then you think about last year, the Mark VDS bike with Sam Lowe's was the third best bike. And it was, it, it was a, like a, a, a really good bike to be on. So for him to be, to be that far behind, I was like, I don't, I don't feel like making that decision just because he was to win the championship this year against guys who never have really got into MotoGP because they've always been too inconsistent would would be a stretch to sort of throw Remy out considering that now this whole year would, would then become a waste of time because you probably have the same problem next year when you bring a new rookie onto the bike. Mm. What do you think, Tristan? Um, I'm honestly not the best person to probably talk about MotoGP. I don't watch it as much as I need to. Um, I did sort of follow Remy's career a little bit when he was on... Was it the KDM that he was on? Yeah, so he was on the yeah. KDM last year. Yeah, I did watch him last year. And obviously, like, my dad grew up watching his old man and, and he's a big fan of Remy's. So I sort of know a little bit about what's going on. I know that there's limited seats, but I I hope that he gets on one and I hope he lands one because I think he's talented enough to, you know, do something half decent on that bike or a bike. Um, but I just, I just don't watch it closely enough to really have a strong comment on it, though. So, Joe, where do he's you think he ends been, up? Well, he's always been a slow learner. Like he's always taking his time mm. to sort of understand the bike, and he's always taken a couple of years to come good. But when he comes good, he comes good. Um, Could he? I, this I, is, I, I I'm gonna like be. Dev, can I be devil's advocate for a second? Yeah, because you said that Fernandez. Obviously, he wasn't doing a whole lot on the Mark BDS bike last year, and now he's doing well, particularly or partly because all the competition from last year is gone. He's also now on the best bike. Could we have – because if you think about Remy Gardner's career before KTM, there were moments of really good uh, performances, but there were definite moments of obscurity as well and kind of – um, droughts in relation mm. to good performances. So could his um, championship season last year be part, like being on the best bike might have made him seem, I don't want to say more competent because he's obviously mm. competent, but it might, it might have made him look better than he actually was. Um, no, I think I think last year on, on that, um, K, that KTM bike showed how good he actually is because he was in a, a Moto2 um, grid that has probably been one of the most talented that we've seen in a long time in terms of how many guys were ready to sort of go for that championship. When you look at like how good Bezeki's jumped in mm. into MotoGP, how good, um, I mean, the, the worst guy in, on that grid in terms of jumping into MotoGP has been his teammate, which mm. has been um, Rael Fernandez. So uh, like, he probably looked like he had the most raw talent last year. Well, he never wanted to. The thing is, he never wanted to leave Moto2 this year. He was sort of forced into that seat. And that's why he's left KTM because he feels like they've jeopardized his career by moving him forward. So, I mean, the only thing I have to say is it's like if, you're, if, if your argument is based off wanting to bring in your own talent, that's fine. Like who's been with you for a long time? Like you owe a, a loyalty, like how Binder was and Oliveira was. But then you look at Pe um, sort of Pedro Acosta, who's the only guy KTM really have in that position, and he's nowhere near ready to go into MotoGP. Mm. So I feel like it's an argument that they're they're saying just for the sake of it. Whereas like um, Fernandez and Gardner are pretty much carbon copies of each other, and Gardner's just got an extra year of MotoGP experience. 
Like, is it there any chance up? that he ends up at on a Honda? Who Gardner? Is there a second LCR seat still up for grabs with Rins? Yeah, but I think they're saying that's going to go to um, Ayagura. No, he's, he's not ready. That, well, but they he's coming second in the championship, and they want that. They need to have that Japanese rider on the um, Itamitsu bike. Do you think they can put an Australasian instead of an Asian? No, no they want that. No, it's it's that team is paid for by Honda Asia. Yeah. Do, no, do you think having such a consistent season with no spectacular moments, no like highs and troughs, has been a detriment for him? Like he hasn't really been. It has, but he hasn't got a bike that can give him the highs. Mm. Yeah. The highs of that bike is coming sixth and then winning in the rain for the best riders. Mm-hmm. Like it's, yeah, not, it's, 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 it's not it's, a Ducati. Well, it's like the, understanding the, where yeah. you are is important. Well, so from his point of view, then he's probably is he young enough to let's say for example there isn't a seat a competitive. Is he young enough to move to World Superbikes, dominate? And then move back into MotoGP if a seat becomes available. Would that be a more? No, um, I think if he if, if you go into World Superbikes, I don't think there's any coming back. Yeah, isn't that sort of? I was going to say like isn't that sort of rack. like a slippery slope where you sort of yeah. just end up getting yeah. stuck in World the Superbikes? Only, the only guy I can see coming back or coming out of World Superbikes is Lecaona coming into Honda oh. because mm. ever since he's gone there, he's actually mm. looked super consistent, and then. Like he even just won the, he just, he he just won won the Suzuka um, eight hour, yeah, and he yeah. looks like a actually like it looks like he's matured enough that he's staying on the bike. Mm. Well, that um, well that and, kind of proves the point that yeah, but, these young but, but, KTM drive riders but, are getting burnt. Yeah, but the reason um, I'm saying that move. is because Honda has no b- real academy at the moment to bring riders through. But you look at like um, Ducati. There's no way you're coming back into Ducati, and KTM don't really have a team to go into there. So unless he was to go into Honda, which has um, confirmed its lineup for next year in World Superbikes, like maybe he'd probably go back to down to Moto2 for a year, win it again, and then try and come back up. But I don't know. I think you'd have to just get stuck in the doldrums of World Superbikes. Yeah. Well, that, isn't that what happened to um, Nicky Hayden? He um, went World Superbikes and then he just never yeah. found his way back to MotoGP. Yeah, he was a little bit older, and he was a little yeah. bit more long in the tooth than true than Remy. I mean, the, the um, only the thing about Remy is that he's Australian, and we've already got Jack Miller in the sport. Mm. So, like, having said that, you don't need another Spanish. There's there's a half a dozen of them, just like the Italians. Aren't they calling it the Spanish Mafia? I read an article about mm. it the other day. Yeah, the other thing, like, it's probably a very similar story to Formula One right now, where yeah, of course, MotoGP's kind of in the last couple of years has got very much younger um, when you're thinking about like Mark Marquez being the oldest statesman of the grid now. 28. Um, and, and he's he 28. 28. Yeah. yeah. Serious. Wow. He's won four world championships, hasn't he? No, he's won seven. He's won yeah, seven. Oh, my God. Well, That's Premier how much class. I know about it. Oh, five I thought he won two five in, five in the Premier class. Yeah, I call Prem- I call MotoGP like, you know, world championship. But, yeah, oh. that's right. That's Ooh. how they do it. They do Moto3 and Moto2 as world champions. Yeah, that's all yeah. of them. Yeah. That's how um, F1 should be, though. That's how no, F1 should be. 100%. If you win an F3 world championship, you should be the world champion. Still the best in class, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, but I think it's like MotoGP right now has got really young, so... Mm. People aren't leaving the sport anytime soon because they they've got you know years left to go. Mm. Um, That's good so though. It, That's cool. It, That's cool it for is. the sport. Well, I think what's going to happen is we're going to see with all this young talent though. Um, you're going to have shorter contracts mm. because there's going to be you know a situation where you don't know when the next young superstars coming in, and you don't want to be locked in for too long with someone who's technically not lo- not long in the tooth, but might not be. Um, kind of what you need um, but in relation to how that affects Remy it might just mean that there's just too much young talent and, mm. and a lot of it's been locked in and he's probably just in a situation where he's at the wrong team at the wrong time and a lot of the other manufacturers around him um, have got you know long-term plans for a lot of their young riders so it'd be you interesting what, though, to I, see I, what I happens th- I think when KTM sit down and actually have to like pull the gun on a decision like actually make a decision I would be genuinely genuinely surprised if they got rid of him. Mm. Because if you think about like 
like what kind of character he is. Like there is nothing, there is nothing that he's shown. Like even through this sort of tumultuous bit of period where his his contract's been up in the air for most of the season, like where you would be like that guy has made like a problem for us or embarrassed us kind of thing. Like when you look at how Fernandez has handled it, he's sort of been a bit like a spoiled brat and thrown his sort of um, toys out of the cot. And he was the darling of KTM. Um, I feel like if they, if you look at how Gardner has progressed through the year, he's gotten closer to the front, hasn't crashed, and also has acted like a, a professional, which is definitely something that he's probably learned from his dad or his dad said, Oi, like, this is how you behave. Um, so I, I think I would be genuinely surprised if they did get rid of him. I mean, if anything, I'd just say Poles had his time. Move on from Pole. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's good point. Say on the, yeah, well, on he's the probably point. one of the oldest statesmen now, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, all right. Bit more news from Supercar World today. And I might need to get a bit of your thoughts on this as well, Joe, because I didn't really read the article, but I saw that DJR has got a new major majority shareholder as of this afternoon. Is that correct? Yeah. So they've been, they've been bought into by the, by the, group that owns the Melbourne Storm and the Melbourne Netball team. Um, I can't remember what they're called, but um, I just thought it was an interesting story since Dick Johnson has sort of, not Dick Johnson, since Penske has sort of come in, done its thing and gone out. You know, know, injection of someone's capital into a team is always a good thing. you know, number one, good for the for the strength of one of the sport's biggest teams, and also probably a, a signal of intent that they're probably trying to aim up again for another championship run rather than playing second fiddle to Triple Eight. Um, and I just wanted to know what you guys thought about that because I, I thought it was just good for the sport. I quickly read that article. I didn't read all of it, but um, I did see it. Um, it's quite bizarre that they've opted to sort of. I guess not sell out Well, probably sell out, but considering that they just recently um, opted to give Ryan story majority shareholder of, of DJR. Mm. So it's quite bizarre that it's all happening again, sort of in that 360, you know, um, like how it's, you know, with the Penske thing and now with obviously that Melbourne um, side of it coming into it. But I mean, I, I guess at the end of the day, more money for them to go racing with, is mm. better for them and better for the sport. So I, I don't do, see really too many negatives apart from the fact s- that probably Dick is, I'd say, getting pushed out a little bit. Yeah, that was going to be my question. What role does he play moving forward with this? I hope a big one. I hope, well, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he doesn't want. I don't know necessarily. Um, I know the Johnson family. He's not family getting any are, younger. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. And I know, obviously, like, you know, Steve's, doing his thing with his motorsport, you know, I think he's doing, yeah. or he was doing like the Porsche um, uh, driving standards advisor and he's always racing away. Obviously Jet's coming through the ranks and I don't know, maybe Dick just wants to enjoy his life and retire. Um, you know, I think he's given so much to the sport that he doesn't owe it anymore. And that yeah. maybe it's time that he started enjoying what he's, what he's created for him and his family, um, you know, he's still a household name and so are the Johnsons in, in the sport. So hopefully that, you know, if whatever happens with this new, you know, sale that he's still very much, you know, respected am- amongst the grid. And Well, you think about supercar, uh, like Australian touring cars, V8 supercars, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. iteration it is, you've got Peter Brock and Dick Johnson. Yeah. They're pretty much the two biggest names, I think, Oh, 100%. And then, sport, so. and then probably, I'd say, well, you've probably got Moffat and... Um, Lowndes, maybe. maybe. Yeah, maybe like Bond, old uh, Bondi, yeah. and um, probably then you get into the new era of like Lowndes and Scaifey and Russell Ingle. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, the, the name Johnson's been in this sport for a very mm. long time. You so that- I hope it stays as DJR, regardless of who buys it or who owns it, because um, like I said, means a lot to our sport that he's a part of it. Do you think that um, maybe seeing the um, transition of Roland Dane from kind of being the head of Triple Eight to even selling out majority of his team as well kind of might have gave um, DJR a little bit of, you know, courage to see 
you know, even if we do lose majority ownership, the team's going to still function the way it is. And even, you know, who knows, maybe Dick does want to take a, a bit more of a back seat, but was worried mm. that if he kind of lost the team, it wasn't going to have the same success and kind of looking at what's happened with Triple Eight this year. Um, they've kind of just kept going the way that they're going. Mm. Might have just been the kind of reassurance that he needed to know that, you know, moving forward, um, the chips are in place for them to still be a successful team and ensure that the legacy that he's created kind of doesn't mm. kind of yeah, 100%. With I think. Him. I mean, I think probably would have something to do with it, maybe behind the scenes. But I mean, the Roland Dane thing. I mean, everyone thinks that he's stepped away. In my opinion, I think he's still just as much, you know, on the loop in the on the phone behind the scenes. Is still. I feel like a guy like that would find it very hard to give up control. Um, yeah especially overnight, you know, obviously what Jamie's done with the team and and with Shane at the helm now is, you know, it's um, emphasising just what a great team they are and what they have been, even though that they are technically in a rebuild phase, they're still able to win races. Dominating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, and obviously Feeney's coming coming of age. He's starting to show his true true self in, in competing, contesting regularly in the top five. Um, and I think he'll be a household name amongst Triple Eight for years to come. Hmm. Maybe DJR going in the same direction, you know? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, Dick Johnson definitely is in a different stage of his career than even <laughs> yeah. um, Roland Dane is, like when you think about it. I mean, the thing with Roland is that everyone who's still running that team, other than the fact that I think is it Tony Quinn who owns it, like the majority of it now, yeah. like everyone who is running that team are sort of like Roland Dane's adopted sons, like Wincup yeah. and um, and what's his name, Dado, have been there since pretty much day one. And like, yeah, I mean, well, Dad used to race. Dad raced for Dado. And um, I mean, apart from probably the big household names, there has, has been quite a few changes in the AAA camp. I mean, yeah. Matt Cook, he was their Super 2 guy. I think he was That's getting right, groomed yeah. to be um, one of the head engineers for AAA. He's gone to he's MSR. A, he, no, he's at Premier, uh, Premier, oh, Premier Race. Premier, sorry, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and there's yeah. a couple of the other guys that have left as well, obviously, um, Couchy, and uh, we had Lulo, Lulo Leclerc leave a few years ago. You know, a couple of, I mean, there's probably more as well that I'm not thinking of. My boy at Walkinshaw. Yeah, well, name, exactly. Um, um, uh, McPherson. Yeah, that's what I mean. There's been probably five household names in Red Bull that have left over the last few years as well. So I, I guess maybe it's their way of rebuilding, getting some new blood in the team. Um, obviously, Jamie's running that with, you know, the direction of Tony Quinn. Um, both of these guys, mate, they just have, you know, an absolute under on what's the word um i'm trying to think of it anyway they have just an absolute passion for motorsport and they love it and they know they've done it for so many years especially a guy like jamie who's in my opinion probably the best supercar driver yeah of all time i think stats stats don't lie do you Um, think that um do you think that this could be um sort of uh dick johnson preparing to like say 10 years ago before the whole Penske investment, mm. like Dick w- was sort of swindled out, a, a lot, out of a lot of money mm. from his team with when he, with the whole Nathan Tinkler investment, which sort mm. of sent him up shit Nathan creek for Tinkler. a bit. And then, Bloody hell, like, how did he you sold, remember that? Yeah, I, dude, I, I'm, <laughs> Mate, I'm he, he deep dove today, right? No, I didn't. No, I was no, just no. Nathan this Tinkler now. ruined like, Nathan everything Tinkler he ruined, invested in. Yeah, everything he touched, the Newcastle Knights, Dick Johnson Racing. Oh, I remember that guy. Yeah, that guy. The big heavyset mm. dude, right? Yeah, the Newcastle mm. Jets. Yeah. Everything he touched went bust. But he, he uh, swindled Dick Johnson out of a lot of money with that investment. And I remember Dick Johnson selling a lot of his memorabilia, like all his old mm. cars, just to keep his his team afloat. So for them to go from those hard times, yeah, to winning to, championships, to then not, like not long later championships, that's like with the help of Penske. Do you think, mm. like at his age now, he's probably thought, I've not gone I've, through you know, that. I've again. been to the top. I've hit rock bottom. I've mm. sort of steered the team back to success. So now to set it up, just to continue that success with someone else's money and sort of hand it off to someone I trust or a group I trust would be in the back of his mind as well. Yeah, I think probably, I mean, I don't know, obviously probably what's going on behind the scenes with, with Dick and that, but I know that he absolutely loves motorsport. And um, I don't know. I, I feel like he's, he'd probably still be doing it if he could, but maybe he's getting to a point where, 
you know, maybe it's time to start passing the reins on to someone else. And not good for the maybe, may, yeah, maybe, maybe enjoying, maybe he needed to buy enjoying really, what he's created. So maybe he needed to buy a really expensive plot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what? Like a gravestone, he's saying. A really expensive. Uh, oh, oh, Anthony. That's, bad. that's, no, bad. that's a bad one. That's Come bad. on, if. Come you know on, what I was going to say, though? You talk about the darkest days of DJR. It brought about one of the greatest moments in supercar history. What's that? The Chaz Mostert original. True. That's true. First win at Queensland true. Raceway. True that. 2013. 2000. Cab, cab charge. I think it was Wilson Security. Wilson Security it was. Yeah. Absolute bomb. Killed it. Look, yeah. at, look at you going through the annals in your mind as well. Yeah, I remember that because I remember he was That's a so true. junior and I'm like, that guy can't wait. And you got a... What, how did that all happen though? He because he <laughs> someone he someone got injured or something, didn't they? It could have been. I don't know if it was was it Max Wilson racing for them. Who was it? Max Wilson. I'm not sure. Exactly. Uh, but he was he was a super two driver for Sickford, and then he kind of just got loaned out for the year, right? And yeah. then because he um, raced Bathurst with them as well. Yeah, well, I think he did half, end up doing half the season. Um, yeah, one is one at home in Queensland, and then one on debut, didn't he? Oh, might have been his debut. The rest is history, but hey. Yeah. Look at that. I what can't wait for next year. Those cars, hopefully you bring them. They're all closer together and it'll be a three-way fight between Shane. Yeah. Hopefully more than Cam and Chaz. Fight. No, but at least those, they're the three that I want to see. I'd say, I'd say probably you'd know straight away at, at the first race of the season whether Walkinshaw mm. have a chance of winning it or not. If you can't not, say then that you just, if it, you just if go all in on them to win Bathurst. They always look good at Clipsal, so you can't say that. If we're racing so at Clipsal true. first, they'll, they'll win at Clipsal, then they'll go to Sydney Motorsport Park and come well, 15th. Yeah, but cars. Sydney's a tough track. Like, even I've raced at Sydney, and it is one of the hardest tracks to set your car up for. So I don't want excuses, Tristan. I just want I a championship. Boys, I just want to give if you excuses. <laughs> if, they're, if they're all even, the greatest driver in Australia uh, currently has to be the champion. In the Cam world, Waters. yeah, the greatest Australian driver. Cam, look, I, I, no arguments see- here. I think, I think between the top four, you got Cam, you got uh, Shane Van Gisberg and Chas Moster, and I'd probably throw Anton Di Pasquale in there too. Did, between did those you, four, I think. Did you hear that? Did you hear that take a couple of weeks ago of Anthony saying that Cam Waters is the best Australian driver in I did. the world? What I did. did you think of it when you first heard it? Initial one, and and, no, uh, and I don't know if you know Cam, but I do. <laughs> just, just like when you, the first thing you thought of when you said when he when um, you heard that, was it really? I think he hasn't won enough, enough. for him to be considered maybe you've as one enough. of my said, my you, top. You've said enough, Tristan. Um, but <laughs> but that's not to say that I don't think he deserves to be there. I mean, I I back Cam's talent, you know, night and day, and. Like I said before, between he, Chaz, Anton, and um, Gizzy, any one of those guys could be champions in well, in the right cast. Australian, so, so we don't we don't want to give. Oh uh, yeah, but out. we count them. We count the you know the trans Tasman. You we're know, they're Scotty McLaughlin at the moment. Right. No, no, everyone claims Scotty. Everyone claims Shane. They, they like, don't have to do the same thing to us though, because all their drivers are are, are, are really good. Yeah, but we've been doing <laughs> that for years, mate. We did that with Greg, uh, with Murphy. Murphy. Everyone's gone. Oh, he's a bloody Aussie. Russell nah, mate. <laughs> yeah, Russell Crowe. <laughs> Anyone that's hey. half talented, we'll try and claim them. Hey, hey, with the infrastructure they bring them. Hey, up we even them. tried to claim ACDC. <laughs> Are they Kiwi? Are they Kiwi? No, they're Scottish. They're Scottish. Oh, Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> didn't they? You got me. <laughs> but we'll claim them because they went to like school here. Yeah, I like it. H. Yo. Yeah, you, you had a question that you needed an answer for. Yeah, so last week we, well, Joe didn't because his internet dropped out, but we discussed uh, the whole Piastri, Alpine, Ricardo, McLaren thing. I just wanted to get Tristan and Joe's thoughts on that because we've had zero information in the past week what like, a shit fight <laughs> yeah. I, said this, um, I said this to my brother i said i feel like mclaren are in no position to be bringing in piastri hoping that he's going to fix the like the actual problems that that team has like mm. to, to to bring in a rookie and expect him to be like the the, the band-aid that's going to cover up DR's apparent, you know, lack of pace where the only, you know, I mean, 
I feel like there's so many other problems with that team that they need to fix. And if don't look mm. at it like that because, yeah, Norris is performing admirably, but the car is nowhere near where they expected no. it to be. And it has a lot of flaws. And yeah, Norris is getting the most out of it. And but even Norris would, even Norris would be the first to say this car isn't near competitive enough. So maybe what I would suggest they do is keep DR. Don't waste the money that you're going to have to spend to pay him out his contract and send him somewhere else. Invest that money in actually building a fucking good car that they were. <laughs> that they were preaching that was going to was going to be oh we've and we were saying oh they came so far last year mm. sidles the goat and he's he's a really good you know team principal but actually build a good car that one of them can at least challenge for wins for so we know it's a good car and then we'll see what happens but to to sort of make the excuse that the reason that the team's not doing well is Danny Rick and then to bring in a rookie and expect him to to be the savior of the team is such bullshit. And Anthony's looking at me like Danny Rick's done. And he is, he's probably not going to be the same Danny Rick ever. But that's still not to say that the, that the problem with that team is Danny Rick. It's like saying the problem with Manchester United is flaming um, Ronaldo and Ericsson and it's not the actual team itself. There's, Sorry, it's not Joe. in the system. Had enough of you. Right? Tristan, <laughs> give us your opinion. Can we mate? use another team, please? Oh, no. Um... Yeah, back on track, I guess. (laughs) No, I don't know. I mean, like, obviously, I want Piastri in F1. I think he should have been in it this year. I think Renault or Alpine completely stuffed up when they didn't find a spot for him. Um, I personally think Ocon's overrated, but whatever. Same. I just honestly couldn't figure out how he's still got to drive. That's neither here nor there. In a French team. Yeah, I guess that. But um, I honestly think he should have been in Alpine last year, and I think um, Alpine have mismanaged him and his career. And if it were me, I probably would have gone and looked for a drive, you know, even though you probably knew you had one next year in Alpine, I would have definitely gone and and looked around and done some window shopping, seeing what's out there. Obviously, McLaren aren't too happy with Daniel Ricciardo. Obviously, Daniel Ricciardo is not too happy with McLaren. I mean, it sort of makes sense to bring in Oscar Piastri. For Daniel Ricciardo's sake, I think it's, um, I honestly think, he should just call it a day and just maybe go off to NASCAR or I actually did hear a rumor the other day that he could be in a uh, supercar. So apparently he's homesick and he's missing home and he wants to come back here and race here and maybe try and win Bathurst. So So let me throw you a question then. Do you think that, so Joseph's painted a very colorful picture about everything that's wrong with McLaren. Mm. McLaren's purely like I'm sure that they're aware of the limitations of their car. They've said as much for you know multiple months now. But even if the car isn't where they want it to be, mm. there's an argument to be made that they're still trying to get the most out of it. And when you've got yeah. one person with 79 points and another person, I think, on 18, yep, then that's not going to cut the mustard, particularly oh. when they're still in the fight for four. It's tough for Daniel because I like I sympathize with him because I know. Deep down, he obviously believes in his talent, as we all do. You know, we saw what he was capable of in a Red Bull. And I think we touched on this last time we spoke as well. Like, he come come into F1, obviously, he was in the uh, Toro Rosso at the time, which is now Alfa Tori. And he came in, he was in a shit car, then he got given a good car, which was the Red Bull. And he's been told, go on and win races, go on and try and win championships, which, you know, given the right season, he probably had the opportunity to do so. Um, and then he shops around for a bit, ends up in two shit teams in a row, which are <laughs> underperforming and the car's just useless, nowhere, not really competitive. And it's like, so what he's used to is, you know, up here and what he's getting is down here. Whereas Lando's come in, he doesn't have any expectations. His expectations are, I'm going to be an F1, whatever I get, I'm going to be comfortable. He gets a piece of shit and he's driven it to, to above expectation yes exactly so his expectations are oh well that's bad so now that he's in a i guess half decent car it's a lot better than what he's used to so i sort of sympathize with him and we saw this at the start of the year with hamilton you know you got a guy competing for the world championship last year to finishing eighth you know Mm. and it's like everyone's going oh hamilton's done george russell's so much better because he's contesting for podiums and that it's like well 
it's the same scenario. You know, what mm. Lewis has been so used to for the past eight years is being in a fantastic car. He hasn't had to get his head around anything. Mm. Now that he's not, he has to get his head around driving a bad car or yeah. a car that's not as good. Yeah. And so George Russell goes from Williams to a car that's a thousand times better than the car he was driving last year. And all of a sudden, oh, look at him, you know, he's talented. So it's one of those things. It's like, it's it's sort of like you're a, you're a cat chasing a mouse. You're never going to quite catch it. And for Daniel Ricciardo, I think that mouse is just bolted off in the distance. And I think it's long gone, you know. You know, I, I think about Ricciardo's career. And if you were to take the two years of Fernando Alonso's career where he was in the best car mm. and you were to look at all the other years that he's raced in Formula 1, he's made a few bad decisions for the team mm-hmm. he's raced for and the level of competitiveness in that team. Mm. So if you take those two years where he had the most dominant car, mm. there's a very, I think there's some very strong trends between the majority Probably. of Alonso's career I'd, and the I'd majority say three of years. I, I think that year that Vettel won his last championship, I think the Ferrari was the best car. So well, I think three that, years. When he took it to the last race. Yes. I think three years that mm. Ferrari was the best car and they lost that on strategy as they've yeah. done this year again. So yeah. I saw it's, a, like a, um, it's like a 10 years every 10 years. Let's just stuff up their season. <laughs> I, I saw a meme the other day. It was a, you know, the, it was uh, picking your team for dummies. You know, those dummies books. <laughs> and I had a picture of Ricardo and Alonso on the front. <laughs> so, so just, you know yeah, what? And um, Benito as the, Team director. Auto, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? Also, I'll, I'll give him. I'll give him Where's some Wally? credit. But like, when in the moment, like when he did choose the teams that he went for, like obviously, like we, you've made the comparison between Norris and Russell. They're also two drivers that are at the stage of their career where 100. They haven't been in there for long enough. Like they're still mm-hmm. just like super still developing. Just to, yeah, just to be in it, and they've kind of just got that. Yeah. Still that raw talent. Whereas if you think about Ricardo, from Toro Rosso to Red Bull. At the time, you know, dominating against Vettel, doing everything he could in an underperforming car. Mm. And then probably by the time that he was ready to make that next step, Verstappen comes in and mm-hmm. the tide within the team changes. So even the decision to leave there and go to Renault, none of us were really like that was a bad decision because for his career, that was probably the best thing for him to still mm. have a team to be built around. And then even I think with the move from Renault to McLaren in the moment it seemed like a good move I don't think there was anybody that thought oh this is going to be a bad move for him yeah I agree I but it's hard though it must be yeah. so hard because there's there's two teams that you can go into that might be able to win a world championship so yep. for a guy like Daniel Ricciardo that's all he's probably ever dreamt of is being a world champion yeah and the only team that he's ever probably had the best chance at I mean some would say Renault but with Red Bull. And so you're in a team that they're building that car around Verstappen. I, I, if it were me, I'm not going to play second fiddle. No, you know, I'm, I'm no Mark Webber. Like, uh, you know, if and he goes were. through Renault. He's got a team built around him. They're promising him a world championship car and he just doesn't see it. So the okay. interesting thing is this week, Pato Award came out and the, um, they don't seem too happy that McLaren are dipping outside the, the McLaren mm. program because you've obviously got Rossi who's coming next year. You got Award, you've got Rosenquist, you've got Norris, you've got Ricardo, and they're bringing mm. in Piastri from Alpine to take that seat. When clearly some things have been said as well as Herder as well that there could be a potential F one seat. I know. I've never thought there was a realistic opportunity for it, but clearly they've been told that there has been. Yeah, but you know, how what, would mate, you feel for those two drivers, particularly Herder and O'Ward? They're in IndyCar, an inferior league by all standards, regardless of how amazing the racing is. If you want to prove your point or prove the point that you're worthy of going into Formula One, you've got to win IndyCar. And neither yeah, of them and, have done it. And we've so seen drivers can... do that when they were young. We've saw like Montoya do it and Villeneuve do it and sort of and, um, be undeniable. It was a Kiwi, it. Brendan Hartley, recently, yeah. 2016 or something, he, was, he jumped from, he was in the IndyCar program, then he jumped into the GT, uh, the LMP1 program, and then got the call up for Toro Rosso, did a season with Toro Rosso. The, the reason I'm... Mm, 2018 he was there. 2018, there you go. 
the reason I'm most disappointed, I think, I think I'm more disappointed in Piastri, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I feel like the potential of Alpine, if we're seeing anything, is that that car, by the come the end of the year, is going to beat McLaren in the constructors' championships mm. and probably be a better platform to be on next year when you want sort of if you, if I was a rookie to be coming into a team. Um, I mean, we, like we, 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 the team is called Alpine, but mm. Renault is a is a much bigger company than McLaren will really ever be in terms of like the money behind it. Do you um, think that Piastri got blindsided though? Like what I think is what I did, but happened getting- is that there might have been rumours that Alonso was getting a, either a contract extension or he's signing and that would have been going around the F1 circuit. Alonso's getting a new deal. I do and, and I don't. They wouldn't I- have been telling anybody who was getting that deal or where he was going to end up. So all of a sudden Vettel retires. No one's considering the swap from mm. Alonso to... Aston Martin, all Piastri's thinking is that maybe Alonso's just going to re-sign for Alpine. And so for him to go out and window shop and go, well, I'm not going to be on the grid next year in Alpine. They haven't, they've promised me, but there's still no seat available. Why not go have a look around? There's rumours that McLaren want to get rid of Daniel Ricciardo. Um, I'm sure a lot of people were probably tipping for that Aston Martin seat, you know, so on, so on, and McLaren are gone. Well, yeah, we want this kid. We can't miss out on him because he's a generational talent. Well, could be, you know, we don't know. The Ricardo rumors have been going around for a lot longer than the very. Well, that was they Ricardo. started last year. Yeah. Well, but the thing is, the Alpine one sort of. It, I think we all thought Vettel he came was out of nowhere. Go, so that happened. Vettel came out of nowhere. Mm. But I feel like we all thought he was going to go to Williams, and then all of a sudden, out of the woodwork, it, it sounded like. Logan Sargent, because he's part of the Williams Academy, he's going to be mm. racing for Williams next year. And I heard that and I thought, you know what? He's American. They probably want an American driver on the grid, not the ones we were talking about, but it makes a bit of sense. He's actually coming into a relatively good vein of form. Nothing that I'd say deserves an F1 seat, but you know, he's from the Academy, so maybe they want to promote from within. I can understand that. So then that seat sort of drops off. Yeah. But like there is, I can't see Alpine not wanting to put their own world champion who they have brought through the through the ranks, you know, like really like put that put that in their team. And they were saying he was going to be on the grid next year. So yeah, I understand getting the cold feet and stuff, but now is it a bridge gone too far that he's not going to go back there? I got a bold accusation. I got a bold accusation. Mm. So there's two drives that Mick Schumacher ends up in. Either the the Alpine or Mm. he goes to Toro Rosso or um, Alfa Tori and Pierre Gasly goes to Alpine. I think only Danny Rick's going to Alpine if he loses his McLaren seat. Yeah. Who's to say say Ocon's going to stay? I mean, I know he's got a contract till 2024, but... I can't see them getting rid of What's a he done, driver. Though? What's he done? He hasn't been, he's won a race. Oh, yeah, safety. under safety car. Come on. <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo won a race. No, don't you start that for me. <laughs> I don't yeah, but Ocon... Daniel Ricciardo won that race on merit. He didn't I think, win it. No, Daniel, Daniel Ricciardo, won, Daniel Ricciardo still... won based on skill. And... But we're, st- yeah. we're still having that conversation a about it. I think Ocon's a much better driver than like a lot of the drivers on the grid. Like He's better than Sonoda. He's better than... Well, I only um, say that because I think Mick Schumacher has, we all kind of assumed that he was going to Ferrari pathway. Yeah. Now I don't think that's the case. It's either Mercedes or it's Red Bull. Let's say, let's say Perez goes to end of this year. Uh, sorry, end of next year, right? Let's just say that. 2024, there's a Red Bull seat available. Mm. They got drivers to promote from that thing as well. Yeah. That's the thing. But you, yeah, no. but you put mm. Mick Schumacher into Alpha Tori this year. Well, sorry, next year for the 2023 season. He has to prove himself against maybe a seasoned veteran like Yuki Sonoda, unless they keep Pierre Gasly. I don't know. He has to prove himself against one of those two. And then he gets the promotion to Red Bull. I, I would agree with you, but I did see Helmut Marco came out last week and said, we're not letting Pierre go anywhere because he's our only option if something happens mm. to Perez or Verstappen. Yeah, that True. makes sense. 
That makes a lot yeah, of so sense. They, they, see, they love Gasly. I don't see why they wouldn't. I love Gasly. Mm. If it were if it were me and I were Gasly, I'd be going Alpine though. Like you say, French driver, French team. Fuck Ocon off, you know. Put an <laughs> actually good French driver in there. I'm glad someone sees it because I I've wanted Gasly at McLaren for a year now. Gasly yeah, McLaren would be pretty cool. McLaren can't afford any more fucking drivers. <laughs> yeah, they've made enough mistakes. McLaren right, let's leave McLaren out McLaren of the conversation. Have McLaren have jumped, have from us like ten drivers. Yeah. A, a total of seven seats next year. They got enough. <laughs> yeah. They got a. They got, they got a. They got a driver with. for every Grand Prix next year. <laughs> you know what the beautiful thing is, boys? Philly season will be wrapped up in a month or so's time, and we'll have a lot more clarity I about know. what's happening in Formula One, and then that will give us a lot more clarity about these hypotheses moving into the near future of Formula One as well. So but not too what long to if, wait. What if they all come out and announce their teams and then we get what happened with Piastri and he comes out and says, oh, yeah, I'm not racing for you guys. Then we've got more. What happens if that happens again? Like, I can't deal with that much drama. Just, that's want, that's more just, drama than a season of the Kardashians. I, I said this one. I said this a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. How come McLaren are the only team who seems to be able to think they can get drivers out of contracts that seem to yeah, exist? Do I they know. not have lawyers? They're yeah. the only team who's done it now in two different sports. So I want to see how this pans out. Oh, um, God. But if I don't know. Say, say Piastri's racing for, um, for uh, Alpine next year. And pa- Paolo's racing for Ganassi in IndyCar next year. How dumb is McLaren <laughs> as an organization going to look? Yeah, it's gonna nah, well, is that is that when they just go yourself. straight up and fire Zach Brown? Or no, nah, I don't think it's a Zach Brown thing. I just, well, I just don't think it has to stem from the it top. Might be, it might be. You don't it's make rules with that much money. I just worked it out. I just worked it out. Next year, Walkinshaw is running four cars and one car with Piastri, one car with Palo, just to keep. The, um... <laughs> I thought you were talking about the supercar team. And I, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. hold your breath on that. I honestly, uh, I, I seriously I think it's the potential that Ricardo's in a supercar next year in a Walkinshaw like... car. I don't know. I've heard rumors. Really? I like that. I've heard rumors. Like I said, people talk in motorsport, but. That does not mean it's true. I guarantee yeah, you, like, Daniel Ricciardo, it's so offered an F1 seat. He's taking it. There's so 100%. much credence to that statement. I think we've got to finish there. Like that's got to be the big exclamation mark. To end. Yeah, but it didn't come from me. It did. It came from <laughs> you. It's going on the I'm socials. I'm gonna make that a title of this. Of this. Um, yeah, that's it, mate. We'll get thing. some clickbait from that. Daniel Ricciardo to the supercars. Yep. Ricciardo to walking show. I like it. Boom. All right, boys. That was a good chat. All right, boys. No worries. Well, Thanks for having me on. Mate, Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, buddy. so much fun. Nah, that's all boys. good. I, I love talking motorsport with you boys anytime. Legends. Harry, Joseph, as always, thanks for jumping on. Everybody else, thanks for listening. Please like, subscribe, share. Join the Discord. Yep, join the Discord. We're trying um, to have some keep Discord. Sending, keep sending through those... Um, those messages so that Harry doesn't have to keep making fake accounts Uh, and we very much appreciate all the support that we have been getting so thanks boys have a great night and we'll see you all next week thanks mate